0: Welcome back to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard, and I am joined, as always, by my my compadre Parker Fleming. Parker, how are you doing this evening?
1: I'm I'm doing all right. My day was only uh, it was only half good. My conditioning wasn't great, so the first half of the day I didn't really get to do anything. But in the second half of the day, I, I really uh, clicked with my wide receivers, and it had a productive day. So, you know. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, r- r- rumor is that you 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 might have you might not have been allowed to participate in the first half.
1: There, there's uh, many people are saying many things about <laughs> the first half of my day, and I just I'm not here to comment. It I'm just ready to to look forward and talk about Texas. Get four quarters in. That this. sounds uh,
0: <laughs> that's great, Parker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it is Texas week, one of the favorite weeks uh, of the year for me. Uh, I could say this growing up in Texas. I've always hated the Texas Longhorns with a fiery passion. As a journalist, I had to remove some of that objectivity, but I am no longer a journalist, so I can besmirch the good name, the Longhorns, as much as I want. Uh, Texas comes in at 2-0 and after beating uh, UTEP and Texas Tech in the last two weeks. The UTEP in was easy. The Texas Tech week was not for the Longhorns, a 63-56 to win in overtime. Parker, before we get in a little bit to to the... The granular bits of this Longhorn team and the kind of the weird history that TCU and Texas have had in recent years. Grand scale, what's your take on Texas this year?
1: Um, I I think Texas is is primed to be very very good this year. I think it's uh, kind of the apex of Tom Herman's cycle at Texas. You know, Sam Ellinger and Shane Buchel kind of competed for the job freshman year, and and Herman ultimately went with Sam Allinger, and, and, and uh, their two fates are wrapped up, you know, very, very tightly uh, intertwined. And so this year is kind of the, the pinnacle of that. Um, it's an interesting situation because I do feel like they have more talent and experience, especially at some key positions uh, than, than almost anyone in the conference. Uh, but also because of the way things shook out last year and because of the pressures on Tom Herman, Tom Herman fired both of his offensive coordinators. And so, you fire the office of coordinators, man. You put a target right on your back. Like this is the year. If, if the expectations at Texas are always ridiculously high, absurdly high, um, but this year they are uh, high specifically on Tom Herman uh, because if you can't if you can't do it this year, then it's it's something with you. Um, and so right. I think that I'm I'm uh, it, 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 they're just very interesting because it's not so much are they back or are they not back. It's are they going to do this or not. Uh, which is a different conversation than we've had about Texas the last couple of years.
0: I completely agree. And I think you and I both wrote about this in our preview, which you can find in the midweek edition of the Purple Theory newsletter. But this was the year Texas was supposed to break through. It is a weird year. We've talked about that before. Um, just before Texas played Texas Tech, Oklahoma lost to Kansas State, which kind of opened up a power void at the top of the Big 12. And you're right. They hit the apex of the cycle. Um, Sam Ellinger's a senior. And I think going in, both of us had – Oklahoma and Texas at the top of the conference I may have slid Oklahoma State in there just because again I, I admit my anti-Texas bias even though I try to be as objective as possible but we expect them to be better and uh, I, I think they are I think they could still be a really good team but the Texas Tech game was uh, worrying Parker I would say the least did you watch that game by any chance
1: so I, ca- I caught the highlights and I and I carved out time just to watch the comeback to kind of see what happened there um, mm-hmm. So I don't know, did you get – what were your what was your kind of eye test perspective on it uh, if you watched the whole game? My eye test
0: – my eye test is that the offense was really, really good. Um, and I wrote about this a little bit, but I, I, I think the Tech secondary, which I had paid to be a strength. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a really big fan of Caden Stearns. I think said incredible. Um, kind of got bodied by some of the Texas Tech wide receivers. This isn't to take away from the fact that Tech is also a really good offensive team. Um, the problem was the tackling uh Texas's tackling grades were awful. They were a 29.5 against Texas Tech as a team and uh Pro Football Focuses tackling grades. And and we uh, should um we is, should
1: contextualize those for a minute too just like that's literally like you're in grade school, zero to one hundred. Like that's 29.5 is like you're in you're 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 failing. It's very bad.
0: Yeah. You, you are not good at tackling. Uh so so it, maybe that was an outlier. Maybe and and look a win is a win is a win, but uh, I, I do think Texas' offense is humming, and I, I think they're a really good team on that side of the ball. I was shocked by how bad the defense looked and by how easily receivers were able to win a one-on-one battles against the secondary. Texas Tech didn't really bother to run, and when they did, Texas shut them down with the exception of that long touchdown run by uh, Sir Roderick Thompson at the end. But, uh, yeah, I, I was shocked, really, by how bad the defense looked.
1: And, 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 and that's kind of to be expected, like a little bit of this, like modernizing the Big 12 and it, for Texas is uh, they're, they're just not playing as good defense because they're focusing more on their offense. Um, what's really interesting to me is, uh, you know, Chris Ash comes in and switches to the 4-3 from the 3-4 uh, and doesn't really get that time. He does kind of have a natural fit. It, it, it's interesting to me because their fourth lineman is very similar to the situation with TCU and how to integrate Marcel Brooks. And so it's like Joseph yep. Asai is playing defensive end, not edge rusher coverage guy. And so that is just weird and different. Um, and, and by some statistical accounts, he hasn't flourished uh, up to what you might think he would be. Um, and so there, there are some growing pains just from transitioning. Uh, and, and like you said, Texas Tech is a really good, um, a really good offense. I, I like Matt Wells, and I think he and Alan Bowman have some complementary uh, kind of skill sets there. Um, I will say about Texas offense being good not that I'm I'm not trying to well actually there I'm just trying to um, I'm like hovering around this stat where you know I, I love like average starting field position right because it kind of says like okay where are you generally beginning your drives but I think I'm actually circling more into like what was your average length of touchdown drive and so I, I don't have that calculated because this is all fine from the hip I've been in a car by myself for like nine and a half ten hours today just thinking about random things.
0: But against that's Texas, a scary Texas, prospect.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's bad. Uh but but Texas had um you know they had a touchdown of 51 yards of 19 yards uh, of 59 yards of 42 yards and then that overtime is 25. But that, that's four touchdowns from plus territory, right? And so you, you would mm-hmm. like to think that like on average, and again, this is subjective. I need to actually calculate this and do the numbers. We're just a, a fixed point here. We're like, on average, if you start in plus territory, you know, if you start across your own 40, you should come away with points. And so yep. Texas was really, really the benefit of uh, some, some, some context there on offense, which again, kind of goes to, it's really easy to look and be like, well, they scored 63 points. You know, Texas Tech is not exactly uh, an defensive powerhouse i think they're 78 in sp plus right now mm-hmm. and they you know one of the one of the historically more i wouldn't even say terrible just as much as like non-emphasized like after I, I,
0: I would say terrible Just like, I'm it's willing like to, they're bad
1: texas texas defense is like my friend nelson broke his leg he broke his femur in first grade uh doing a limbo at a roller skate party nelson was a big dude uh and and he was off his femur for like six months and he stood up and he like fell over immediately when he got his cast off. Right. Because his like leg and atrophy he couldn't carry the weight of the rest of it. So his leg was terrible, mm-hmm. but it was also just like, they just don't really use their defense very much. And so you kind of don't have as much, um, much to work with there. So I, I think that if you start to kind of opponent adjust, if you start to try and contextualize a little bit, you really start to see this picture of like, Hey, Texas played really well against the bad UTEP team. And that's cool. But Texas played just okay against potentially a really bad Texas tech team who, who really had to, you know, ramble and scramble to get by Houston Baptist uh, sure. a couple of weeks ago.
0: Yeah. Shout out to Nelson. Um, two things. One, we should point out, uh, Houston Baptist does have a CVS as one side of their field. Um, again, the visitor stands is a CVS pharmacy parking lot. That I, should not go unnoticed.
1: I, I am absolutely Googling this while you talk about this. Yes, Houston Baptist. Uh, I'm not
0: making this yeah. up. Go look at it. Houston, yes, it is a CVS on the visitor side of the field. Um, the other up thing is, camp, and, and that is we a can. CVS. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. Go get your game, get your prescription, and uh, and go home. It's pretty good. Uh, the other thing is, and I'm using this as a very easy transition, you want to talk about opponent adjustments. Parker, The Texas law courts need to adjust against TCU. Uh, Over the last seven years, TCU has won five of the matchups over a four-year stretch from 2014 to 2017. They won the combined games by a score of 153 to 33, if my math is correct. I want to say that again, 153 to 33. The closest game was 24 to 7. Uh, the biggest game, of course, was the 50-7 to seven game in 2015 in which TCU had a 50-point lead and a Texas player was tweeting about quitting at halftime. Uh, Parker, I, this could be an institutional question, can be a schematic question, whatever, coaching matchups. Why do you think Texas has struggled in the last few years against TCU?
1: Yeah, so one, one this, is, this is not the football history. This is offseason. Let's come back to this. Charlie Strong should never have taken the Texas job, man.
0: No, he should. And I like Charlie Strong. Yeah, I'm, I I'm do. a Charlie Strong a good fan. Dude.
1: I wish that the circumstances around his um, history and employment and social life were such that he could, like, take the job at Arkansas because I, I think that could have been really cool. Um, but that, that's just not going to happen. So we can, we can talk about that another time. Sorry. So I have to say, um, Texas dropped in recruiting. Um, and, yep. and, and, and that's funny to say because they dropped in recruiting and were still better than TCU, but they went from like this mm-hmm. overwhelming talent advantage where like Mac Brown is basically like, all right, I can win nine games with, you know, any, any number of top five recruiting classes. Like this is fine. I can absolutely do this. Charlie Strong started, you know, recruiting thir- in the, in the thirties and it became more and more like the the lower your recruiting rankings are the more important your coaching and your scheme and your execution, your program are. And and so some of those things had already fallen through the cracks. Um, I had this quote in my, that I loved I had this quote in my preview um, that went out today and it's uh, it was from Mac Brown and he was, he said about all of the kind of like the Texas fans in general and like the program Mm -hmm. just said uh, they're like a box of BBs and the BBs are dropped all over the room. And what you've got to do is get all the BBs back in the box. Uh, and we were able to do that for a long time until 2010. And then as of late, the BBs have gotten back out of the box. And so, especially in a high leverage situation like Texas, I feel like uh, Charlie Strong really kind of set them back just because he couldn't, you know, the, 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 the BBs had already gotten back out of the box. And then Charlie Strong comes in, there's a dip in recruiting, and all that stuff gets more and more important. And so they bring in Tom Herman mm-hmm. um, and I Grant... I just am not convinced that Tom Herman is the long-term head coach of the Texas Longhorns. Am I going to leave that on the podcast? Maybe time will tell. I just think that he has not been able to build the program and have the success that was expected of him. Uh, I think his reputation precedes him. Um, but, but I do think that um, Texas's crown achievement under Tom Herman uh, are, are, is twofold. One almost beating LSU last year. Uh, and then two, having the rotation of the Bulls work out well enough where they could go to the Sugar Bowl instead of the Alamo Bowl and beat uh, uh, mm-hmm. just a bored and disinterested Georgia team and get that Sugar Bowl, that 10-4 and four season. Uh, so 10-4 and four winning the Sugar Bowl instead of 10-4 winning the Alamo Bowl is, uh, is a lot different. So I think that, you know, you, ca- you combine kind of these off-field things that are going on in Texas's program and a, and a series of transition and some luck running out, and then you look at, like, the, the, the recruiting playing field is literally leveling. It is absolutely leveling uh, and then you compound that with like tom herman is an inexperienced coach gary patterson yeah is wilier than tom herman will be uh probably ever and so the the ability to kind of like seek out you know gary patterson his entire life has been saying hey i have guys that are less talented let me force the field to certain areas and then win those matchups and um i i think there's uh, evidence to suggest that tom herman doesn't really understand those matchups
0: I think there is as well, and we'll, How's we'll that get for to a that. Segue? In a yeah, I I think that's great, but I want to make a point real quick, okay, put a pin yeah. in that, and, okay. and we're going to use that as a segue in about two minutes. One, I think there's no there's no program that Gary hates more outside of the Art Briles Baylor teams in Texas, and as you said, there's no easier team to play the hey it's us against them and we are the underdogs card than against the richest athletic program in the United States and that's Texas. So Gary has that built in his advantage. He can get his guys up. I'm sure he circles, let me use this cliche. I'm sure he circles the date on his calendar every year of, Hey, we got to beat Texas this week. Um, so you're right. I think that plays into it.
1: Yeah. You did mentioned you Tom the, um, Herman. Oh, I'm so sorry. Did you, did you see? No, no, a, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Did you see a wins pyramid? You know how they do like the leave no doubt, yes. whatever.
0: Yep. Did you see one yep. for this year? I have not been inside the four sevens mm-hmm. conference room this year. So I have not seen it.
1: I gotta, I gotta get a picture. I gotta, I gotta talk to I real wonder goodness. what it looks
0: like. I got. Uh, I wonder what it looks like in the in the COVID area. Uh, if if don't get COVID was a, a block, then I think we've we've already failed the pyramid. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the other thing I want to uh, uh, beat the virus, and, and it's just still white. Um, you you made a good point about Tom Herman and him not being the long term coach for Texas, and I'm gonna make a comparison that's going to make a whole lot of people that would make a whole lot of people angry if they listened. Which is, uh, I think. Texas and Texas A and M are in the same scenario, where they hired a a good coach. I, I think a you know a top third coach, and then uh, I don't know if he's going to work out. I don't know if the timing's going to be okay. I don't know if the recruiting cycle is going to be okay, the landscape, all that, and then uh, between Tom Herman and Jimbo, I'm not sure either of those programs are destined for greatness anytime soon.
1: Okay, question, because question, I love kind of like teasing out the elasticity here. So if you yeah. had to sign a coach tomorrow for your college football program um, and the money was equal, would you sign Jimbo Fisher or Tom
0: Herman? Uh, Tom Herman.
1: Okay. If you had to sign a quarterback uh, as a fresh, uh, what we know about them now, but they're, they're a freshman, uh, Kellen Mond, or Sam Ellinger? Sam Ellinger. Okay. Would you rather have Jimbo and Ellinger or Herman and Mond? That's a great question. I think that tells you a I, lot about well, what we actually think about Tom Herman. It does. It it does. So so while while Grant's listening to that, I'm just yeah. I'm well, saying okay, that okay. out. Like, no, no, no,
0: I'll, no, I, I'll, say, I'll say this. Okay. I think Tom Herman is a better coach than Jimbo. But I think Ellinger is... Jimbo better has a wing. Okay, well he rode Jameis's coattails that wing. Tom uh, and running
1: Sam
0: he, he, Jimbo's only play during that Florida State run was, hey, let's get Kelvin Benjamin over the middle and he's bigger than everyone else, so he'll catch it. I I I think Tom Herman is slightly better and slightly more suited for the modern for the current era of college football than Jimbo is. But I think Sam Ellinger is a better quarterback than Kelamond by a wider margin. So I would take the net greater of the two, which is Jimbo and Ellinger.
1: I think that's fair. Is that fair? fair. Is that fair at least? I think those are analogous. Um, I think those are, those are good analogies just because it is kind of this program thing. Um, I, I will say, you know, just, AM obviously has a harder road like a and yeah, a job for sure. I wouldn't for touch on sure. a 10-foot pole like SEC West no. I just don't want any part of it
0: well hold on I'll, I'll interrupt you there if, if they offer you 75 million dollars would oh you my take gosh, that job gar- no
1: it's it's more than 75 it's 75 million guaranteed Jimbo could I know. <laughs> Jimbo could throw up the double birds and walk out the stadium tomorrow 75 million in his pocket I am in the wrong line of work I got it yeah I got to fail up like that man shoot
0: no, I agree. I agree. Okay, Parker, let's use our transition. Tom Herman may not really understand all the factors at play in what TCU. I can guarantee you sees as a rivalry, even if Texas may not. Were you aware of the? I won't say controversy, but the uh, uh, the ado, if you will, about Tom Herman's answer during the Big 12 coaches call on Monday.
1: Okay. Yes, I heard some drama about that. It was called to my attention that the exact the exact snippet of quote that I tweeted seemed to be kind of like a couple things put together. So I took it down because I, I, I didn't have anyone else that had gotten that quote. I'm not a journalist. This isn't like verifying. It's just like someone I respect was like, hey, I, don't, I, I didn't hear him say that. Here's what here's another quote that's actually really, really um, uh, good, like really, really positive. Um, and so I deleted my tweet and posted that. Uh, so, yeah, round out what the – and then I kind of forgot about it, honestly, because, okay. you know, whatever. So, so round out what okay. happened there for so, and for someone who may not have seen on Twitter. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I'm citing uh, Joe Cook, who writes for Inside Texas. Um, and so I, I take this back. This wasn't on the, on the coach's call. This was, I think, at the UT presser. Um, it's kind of unclear. But anyway, so Brian Davis of the Austin American Statesman asked a question about playing against Gary Patterson. And Joe Cook tweeted a quote from Herman, direct quote. It gets frustrating sometimes because Gary, to his credit, and a ton of respect for him, doesn't do a whole lot. What he does is he has his players play really, really hard, puts them in great position, and they're extremely fundamentally sound. End quote. Now, taking that quote exactly, that's an insult, all right?
1: Maybe? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like... I, th- I think I'm trying I'm really trying to not make a political analogy here because I don't want to do that on the podcast I want this to be a yeah. space that's away from that but man the similarities uh I'll just say let the reader understand um yeah so I I think I think it's a little bit of a cell <laughs> phone because it, it, like, it is. Gary it is. Patterson frustrates me and I don't really understand why like that's what that quote sounds right. like um right. which I mean Tom, I'm in that boat too. Different reasons, but I get you, man. (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think this is a little bit of coach speak filler. Um, And, and I think it does speak a little bit to what you talked about and what we talked about with the difference between Texas and TCU's program over the last couple of years is like Texas should have walked into Fort Worth and beat the ever loving hell out of TCU last Mm -hmm. year. Just should have walked in and slapped them in the mouth and it just didn't work. Just, no way shape or form there's been some extremely frustrating games especially for tom herman um in fort worth uh and and so i could totally see him saying like hey on paper we have a great scheme we move the ball against everyone else we watch game film we know what to do against them and then gary always just has something that we can't answer for um especially on on the defensive side of the ball uh and and so i i i am i'm i'm more prone to make this like coach speak and kind of um, like Herman just says like, Hey, we've had a bunch of frustrating losses and I don't really understand why, but put it on the bulletin board, man. That's great.
0: Okay. Can I give you a couple more quotes from his full fledged? Yeah, round,
1: round that out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. So, so Joe Cook later went back and said, okay, here's Tom Herman's full answer to Brian Davis's question. I, I'm picking and choosing, but I promise I'm not taking anything out of context. And okay. Parker, hope you trust me. Hope the listener does as well. First couple sentences, as far as going against coach Patterson's defense, I don't know that I was tremendously frustrated two years ago. I think the final score was 31-16. I'm interjecting here. Okay, we get it, dude. You beat us once in the last five years. Anyway. Okay, so then he has the quote about uh, he doesn't do a whole lot. they should be fundamentally sound. Okay. Um, I'm going to continue on. You have this false sense of maybe some confidence because unlike other defenses you play where half the battle is figuring out where they're going to be lined up, blitzing from, and rushing from, all that stuff, That battle is not one that's waged a whole lot against Gary Patterson's defenses. The battles are, can we play more fundamentally sound than them, and can we play harder than them? And skipping a bit ahead, I think therein lies the frustration a lot playing against Coach Patterson's defense. I know where they're going to be, and we know what they're going to do. They just do it so well that it's extremely challenging you you had a good we talked a little bit about this beforehand and you made a good comparison I think to what defensive coordinators have said about the air raid but does this make it any more or less of an insult or more of a self-owned because I'm still on the fence
1: so so I think the comparison I said was there there's a really funny uh I guess now obsolete Jimmy Lake quote Jimmy Lake's the new coach at Washington who was their defensive coordinator Mm -hmm. uh and and he, he talked about how much he loves playing Washington State and having them as their rival because he's like and, – and Washington has killed Washington State. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Lake's just like, hey, we know what he's going to do. He's only going to try and do it harder, uh, and we can stop him. So I hope he's the coach there for a long time, um, which also might speak to the transient nature of Mike Leach's college football employment. Mm-hmm. But, again, that's another um, – for another podcast we'll come back to that Worked last week
0: yeah. it, hey, it, it worked last week
1: I'm saying it has a shelf life it's not it's not that it doesn't work it just yeah. has, a, has a shelf life um I'm also like Tom Herman your touchdown drives were like in 2018 <laughs> I'm so mad at Tom Herman right now they had a two-yard touchdown a 40-yard touchdown and a 17-yard touchdown yep. like it was entirely TCU's inept offense it Tom Herman yep. they had almost no offensive success um Outside of what was just handed to him on a silver platter, so yeah, I I think this would be a, a lot different quote if Tom Herman was three and O against Gary Patterson and not one um, and two, uh, and I I really think that this is um, again just sort of like a little bit of like program uh, arrogance and like that that I, I I've seen more and more as Texas has. Uh, you know, kind of reestablished a little bit of like, hey, we're going to be consistently competitive. We're going to have better, you know, top five recruits. We're going to be moving in the right direction. You kind of see that arrogance and entitlement come out just generally with the program and then a lot of the the fan base as well of just like, oh, we're so much better than you. Why would TCU ever think that they could compete? Like they don't have the stars. They don't have any of this. It's like, that's, that's been the narrative the entire time. Like that hasn't really changed even while TCU was, you know, taking advantage of Texas's super down years yeah. um so so i do think there is some disrespect in that for sure that kind of comes from that like well we're texas so like obviously we're just it's just a matter of time until the uh right. order gets restored and we beat tcu every year
0: so i uh, so i have two things one is kind of a a, a, a comparison and one is a question just as playing devil's advocate a bit but first it reminds me a little bit he, he, herman didn't say this explicitly but I, I think we can imply what he means a lot in his answers so my favorite I grew up a North Carolina basketball fan. We all know this. And Roy Williams, the coach, likes to use a line in the press conferences whenever Carolina beats up on, like, you know, some media, like Campbell or UNC Asheville or whatever. The,
1: and his uh, opening Roy line Hans. is always
0: – Yes, for sure. Uh, his opening line is always, well, I think our team is just a little bit more gifted than they are. And, and so talking about, you know, listen, I have a bunch of five stars and they've got a bunch of dudes that are going to go pro with something other than sports. I've always found it kind of condescending, but kind of funny anyway, just because it's Roy. Uh, I think it's kind of what Herman means, but I, I do think it's an interesting uh, mindset yeah, to have. Yeah. The, it, yeah. I also want to push – not push back, but, but just frame this in a different light. I, I wonder how many coaches going up against a triple option offense have said a variation of, I know what they're going, where they're going to be and what they're going to do. They just do it so well that it's extremely challenging. Yeah. Is it, is it different because we're talking about a defense other than an offensive scheme?
1: I think so. It's definitely like a little less. So, like, I think uh, Pitt, for instance, and TCU kind of share this affliction that it's a lot less cute when your defense is this like annoyingly frustrating yeah. thing. Yeah. Whereas if your offense is, everyone wants to tweet about it and be like, oh, this is how football should be played, yada, yada, and all right. this nonsense. But <laughs> the defense is it. I want, I don't think. A lot of us aren't as good at breaking down the X's and O's of what a defense is actually making an mm-hmm. offense do, um, and two, it, it's it's subtle. Like there are plenty of games where you're just like, wow, TCU just didn't let them. Last week, Charlie Kolar had a fine game. TCU's offense did not let Iowa State's or defense did not let Iowa State's offense do what they wanted to do, and it was just kind of one of those nope. like, oh, you can see the little things here and there that kind of start to add up, and so I think it's a little less tangible, and the defense is. Uh, it's a little less sexy, I think, uh, to, to you know, meme and laugh about uh, it being fun that it's that it yeah. makes other teams bad. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Well, speaking of less sexy things, Parker, let's talk about numbers. Uh, do you have your tail of the tape in front of you?
1: I do. I have my preview up in front of us. Um, I have my fun little preview. uh I was going to say GIF, but it's not a GIF. It's an image. It's just a graphic. Um, it's <laughs> yeah, a graphic. it's a
0: JPEG, man. Yeah, yeah. JPEG. It doesn't move or anything. I think yeah. it's
1: actually a dot .png because my wife's a graphic <laughs> designer, so we're getting fancy. Um, you'll notice I've, I put in some projected points there as well. So this week I have um, uh, Texas at a 75% uh, win probability, projected to win about, about 41 to 28. Um, Texas is 45th overall in SP, uh, excuse me. Texas is 11th overall in SP plus fifth in offense, but 42nd in defense. Whereas TCU, uh, moved down a little bit last week, 45th SP plus overall that Matthew Downing first half, not getting those scoring, uh, not capitalizing on the scoring opportunities, drug the offense all the way down to 72nd and the defense, um, you know, being a little prone to the big play is down outside of the thirties, uh, into the, or outside of the top 30 into the 31st overall. Um, So uh, the SP Plus projection is really close to mine because it turns out when smart people start making projections based on the stats they think they're important, those projections are similar. So uh, Bill and I have similar numbers. SP Plus has Texas by uh, almost 14 at 78% win probability.
0: The Vegas line, of course, is Texas by 13. So well done. Uh, We'll we'll get you installed at, uh, at, at the win.
1: I don't know. Is that a good thing? Does that mean like mobsters are going to come break my kneecaps or something? I don't know how that works. I,
0: no, no, no. I'm, I'm not sure what it is. Um, okay. A couple of things to touch on there. 41-28. That is a relatively high scoring game. I mean, I know TCU and Iowa State went to 30s last week, but, but I don't know. I mean, it, that's surprising that against a, a defense supposedly as good as Texas's, that that the 72nd ranked offense can put up 28
1: points. Um Yes, can I also posit that I, th- I think Texas' defense might not be great. I,
0: I, I agree. I was just going by what, what you had said. Yeah, so I think 40, 42nd is, yeah,
1: yeah. is like, you're okay. But like, what, it, we, what you have to really sure. think about is like the disparity. Because, again, football is a game of general equilibrium. You don't play offensive defense in a vacuum. The, you know, the defense has a drive, and the result of that drive reflects the offensive starting point in the next right. thing and it's all, it, it, you know It's all path-dependent. Um, and so, if you look at, like, large splits are especially concerning to me. So, fifth overall on offense, 42nd on defense. Obviously, you'd much rather be way better on offense than on defense. But yep. uh, that kind of split lends me to think that, like, perhaps the defense is actually being inflated um, by the by, by some of the contextual offense. Uh, and so, it might be a little bit worse there. Also, they gave up a, a, a ton of points to Texas Tech, uh, who – They did it's not like I, I wasn't projected to be like amazing uh coming into the season
0: i agree although i will say and i am i understand the struggle against houston baptist but dude rewatching that texas texas tech game and, and this is an aside but tex wide receivers scare the hell out of me well yeah because think it's Alan not just basher really
1: uh yeah th- so it's uh, uh, eric Ezekanma
0: yeah, Keyshawn Carter, all those guys, or Keyshawn—is it Carter, right? It's Keyshawn it's uh,
1: Carter in the slot, and then and then Easy on the yeah. on the wideout. And, and yep. I, he was yep. a guy. I did a podcast. Gosh, uh, I don't remember who it was. Maybe Run Pod Option, somebody on on Twitter, and it was like, who's the name you're not going to know in the Big Twelve? And and Easy was mine for Texas Tech because yeah. he's another. He's opposite Basher, like Prime get some yards, yep. and, and Bowman can throw. So yeah, um, I mean. Texas is uh allowing a thirty seven point five percent success rate um which is you know twenty third nationally they're really dampening on uh, big plays field position was really bad which might indicate some um well some turnover and some uh field position or some some special teams uh issues mm-hmm. um and then they're average, they're allowing over a um more more than a field goal per scoring opportunity which again ideally your defense is is uh, a scoring opportunity is when you get the first down inside your opponent's 40. And so ideally for an offense, you're scoring at least a field goal, but ideally for a defense, you're holding them to, to nothing or a field goal. Um, more often you're holding them, allowing them a touchdown. So that's a little bit concerning that when like contextually there might be some cracks uh, in that, in that Texas defense. Um, yeah.
0: I got you. I got you.
1: All right. Well, Parker,
0: you know, we've run through the numbers a bit. Are there any matchups coming into this game that, that you're really excited about or, or think could be crucial?
1: Yeah, um, it's it's going to be a little bit boring because it's going to be similar to uh, last week in that the, the first and most important issue for um, TCU on defense is going to be the pass rush. And so it's going to be uh, Oshon Mathis against Samuel Cosme, which – I have an inclination of how that's going to go. So I think what it might actually be is Marcel Brooks versus Samuel Cosme, which is going to be much more interesting. Um, Samuel Cosme is Texas's NFL bound tackle. um, And left tackle, left tackle, uh, just an absolute football player. Um, And, Marcel Brooks played two snaps last, last week. A lot of special teams didn't seem like he's really integrated in the office. What uh, I could talk myself into a world where that was like trickeration and, and this is going to be the Marcel Brooks defense against Texas. Um, and that, you know, keeping that off tape was worth the price of some sacrificing some defensive efficiency against Iowa state. Um, but I do think that um, uh, unless O'Shawn Mathis wakes up and he's not Bruce Banner, but the Hulk, uh, I think, I think, Marcel Brooks will be the edge rushing threat. And so that matchup will be really, really important. Texas has allowed um, the 22% pressure rate. And so again, uh, just getting wonky with stats there, but like pressure rate is is a better indicator of defensive uh, harassment of the quarterback than sacks because sacks are largely dependent on the quarterback's ability to throw away the ball or move around. Um, And and so realistically, we're looking at like how often are you getting pressures knowing that stats are going to be a function of that as well or sacks are going to be a function of that as well. So 22% pressure rate is like almost one in four uh, Ellinger was getting hit hurried sacked. Um, And and so it it does look like even though Texas has some really, really nice offensive line, there's some uh, instability on the other side. And so if TCU can get an ancillary pass rush, um, that will be uh, immensely disruptive, given that TCU literally has one of the elite edge rushers just sitting on their bench waiting to play.
0: Yeah, uh, I, we're both looking at the same data, I'm sure. But uh, Cosme had a 75.6 pass block rating, according to Pro Football Focus. Actually, not the highest. I'm on the offensive line. A junior, I'm going to pronounce this, Angulow, uh left guard, had an 81.1. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, do you know offhand, Parker? Before I, I isolate my matchup, uh, what was TCU's uh, pressure rate? Oh, wow. I mean, I'm sure we I could we could both look this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um,
0: I, I, we, I can.
1: I think I can stall
0: while you look that. this up, or yeah, I'm sure I it was. I, yeah, I don't know that it
1: tallied Well, that. here's um, the well, he,
0: here's here's the deal is that uh, you know, one team had a guy with a .8 and one didn't.
1: Right. Well, um, and so that was yeah. what I was going to say is. Uh, whoever you know the the other matchup there is going to be the fl- the inverse of that is is going to be the pass rush for tcu the tackles have to play better um i don't know who's going to play tackle i think there's a lot of options a lot of configurations i'm I'm not sure that andrew um not andrew coker um austin myers oh my gosh austin myers thank you um i i i couldn't get anthony mckinney's name out of my head and i was like he's gone um <laughs> austin myers uh should not start um yeah. The, the, yeah. The,
0: Although again, t, t, uh, again, we can, again, not to besmirch very nice college men that are playing football. Uh, TJ Storm, it gave up the worst strip sack I've ever seen. Um, by my math, TCU was at a 29% pressure rate.
1: Yeah. So that's like one in three basically. Yeah. A little, little more yeah, than yeah. one in four. Yeah. 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 Um, so, that. so that makes okay. sense. So it's going to be, it's going to be whoever plays tackle at TCU uh, versus Joseph Asai, who's in a little bit more of a defensive end role, a little less of like an outside linebacker role. Um with the new defensive system at Texas. What's really interesting about that is last year um, I I went through and hand charted the entire Texas TCU game just to kind of get a feel for, I I wrote that article this summer, Sunday company's offense on its own terms. Um, And that was the game I, I used a lot of. And I thought it was funny. They basically just like lined up, found where Osai was and then shifted the, Offensive, like if it's like we're gonna go away from you, which is not, yeah, a bad we're plan. just not
0: going to do that. Um, but, no, so it's I think
1: not. I think him versus the tackles will kind of be the defining matchup on the other side of the ball. Um, and then, uh, well, I'll let you, uh, you give me, I have I have one more, but uh, give me, give me your okay,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I will say they upgraded Austin Myers grade to a 25, so we have that going for us. Um, nice. yeah, I, I think the matchup for TCU on defense, <laughs> uh, when Texas has the ball, TC's on defense. Um, I'm, I'm isolating Britain Eagles. Um, I'm, I'm high on this kid. I think he's going to be a really, really good player. Already is a really good player. And more to the point, Parker, he is big and physical. And while TCU's secondary is extremely talented, they're not the biggest guys in the world. Uh, and I wrote about this last week. Um, TCU's top corners, top uh, kind of guys you'll see on one-on-one matchups, Noah Daniels is the tallest, and he's at six feet tall. Uh, Ardarius Washington is like five nine. Trevon Merrick's sizable, as is the Van Zandt. But those guys are probably going to be going over the top.
1: Our Ardarius Washington what? is dearest Washington's five nine like I'm six two.
0: Okay, well, fair enough. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I, mean, I, I love again my my feistiest son, but I, I just I, I worry about Britain Eagles being able to win one on one matchups, and that was something that I I noticed rewatching the Texas Texas Tech game, and it wasn't just Eagles, but when Ellinger was pressured he was completely okay with throwing up a 50-50 ball and trusting his wide receivers who are big and talented and good to come down with it. Um, So I I don't necessarily know, you know, if that's going to be the case against TCU. um, But because the defensive backs are so skilled and probably a little bit more than Texas Techs, but uh, I I just worry about Eagles kind of mossing some defensive backs uh, in, in this game.
1: Yeah. So I think that's a worry. Uh, a lot of Texas's, um, a lot of Texas's passing overall has been kind of over the middle of the field, getting these guys the ball in, in kind of space. And um, a lot of, uh, a lot of like a skinny post RPO sort of a deal of like, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, we're going to engage the linebackers and running. And then uh, they they're six for 10 for 156 yards um, in the middle of the field, 10 to 20 yards. Um, and that's uh, that. And then, you know, zero to five yards, they're 12 for 14 for 164 yards. Um, and so right there, you know, 18, uh, 18 of their completions have been inside the numbers 10 to 20, uh, 0 to 20 yards in front of the line of scrimmage, That like kind of like interior linebacker box. Um, I think that, that bodes well for TCU just because uh, Dee winders as a secondary option looked really, really good. And so I think TCU has a lot of guys in coverage. I think the more that TCU can shut that down, though, the more they get susceptible to something. Uh, that, that, that Texas Tech is or Texas has been really, really comfortable doing, which is taking a deep shot, even if it's not a good ball. So uh, yep. downfield 20 yards outside the numbers, Texas is two for nine, and they don't care. They're going to keep throwing that. Hmm. Um, and so our oh, yeah. Ar, Darius Washington, which I think I think just a second ago. No, no. Sorry. I said our Darius Washington is five nine. I meant um, Trivius Hodges Tomlinson. That's who I was trying to talk about. Was was not five nine. Okay, um,
0: Washington also might not be five. Like I want to make that very but clear. But Washington's he is a, like he going a get, he's going to fella. get
1: drafted. I think he's bigger than. But yes. Yeah. But so yeah like, he, he's also he's also
0: built like a fire hydrant. Right. Like I, yeah. Right. I would not want to. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah,
1: it, yeah. if I was if I was a coach that was scheming and looking at this and thing like okay TCU's got some amazing safeties, some really good defensive linemen. They don't or defensive uh, linebackers. They don't have a really good pass rush. What I might do is I might. I might try and exploit that one-on-one matchup and scheme away from Noah Daniels and see if I can go after Hodges Tomlinson deep and take a shot there. So I expect to see the same Ellinger deep ball early and often. Um, I think that they're confident enough in Ellinger's running ability, especially against this TCU front that they will have no problem taking a downfield shot. Um, And, and given what TCU has been doing the last, I mean, I guess a couple of years on defense, like, you get rewarded for the downfield shot.
0: Well, uh, you, you do. I, I will say that I think we saw something good in the Iowa State game, which is that TC was not afraid to spy the quarterback. And like you said, I think D Winters, if he's not in pass coverage, did a good job against Brock Purdy. I think Sam Ellinger is better than Brock Purdy. But I also think that he is a capable spy. So it might limit Ellinger's running ability yep. a bit, but I, I'm still worried. I agree. I, th- I think you um, tweeted
1: about this. There was like one of the first one of the first catches for Charlie Collar happened because – they rolled like purdy rolled out to the right and you had i think it was you had uh mathis and then wallow right behind him and then yeah. Merrick right behind him you had all three guys like brock purdy is now running yeah strong. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So no much. no he's and, like, not clearly they clearly they moved around to be like okay all right we don't need all three of you on here but they clearly right. like, all three of them were like this is not happening we're, we're well in. well and,
0: and garrett wallow was kind of in that role for a bit and and i mean you could tell the emphasis was so much on Purdy not running that Wallow probably could have had a sack if he would have been more aggressive. But instead he just kind of tried to play contain and then Purdy threw like an eight-yard completion over Wallow's head. Um again, okay, I'm not blame, blaming Wallow. I'm just saying it's funny to see that happen in practice. Um okay, other side of the ball, who do you uh who, who are you watching out for?
1: Okay, so I said uh, I talked about defense. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so on offense, I think that um uh the the pass rush is definitely going to be there um i think the name of the game this week is quentin johnston i think that there's a lot uh too much talk about running backs uh i, I think the, who the well you back always is, think that no no but I, I just think like who the running back is doesn't doesn't matter as much because there's a lot of talented ones i don't think we need to drop a game plan for running backs i think that um quentin johnston you know had some uh Chose TCU over Texas. There weren't there weren't mitigating circumstances. He didn't fall to TCU. He said, "No, I'm going to go to TCU. This would be a great mm-hmm. way for him to come down, kind of make this establishment uh, or the statement to establish himself as like I was one of the best receivers in Texas, and I'm keeping that up, and I don't have to go to the University of Texas." Um, so I think him downfield uh, against Texas' secondary will be a place to watch. Last year, Max Duggan was able to through some. Um, you know, Texas committed to running that kind of like. Tampa too high, whatever. I don't know the X's and O's as much, but like basically two safeties and a third safety sagged and TCU kind of exploited the scene there a lot. And so I think with some good play action, um, especially if, if Max Duggan's getting the ball out quick and kind of putting some linebackers on their heels as opposed to rushing uh, Quentin Johnson as a downfield threat will be the uh, offensive kind of bellwether.
0: I hope you're right because I, I I was going to focus on sort of the general defensive back wide receiver matchup as well. Just and I mentioned this also in terms of size with Brennan Eagles, but outside of Johnson, and I hope he is in TCU's top four wide receivers this game, but against Iowa State, the top four wide receivers were five eleven Tay Barber, five eleven Mikhail Barkley, five eleven Blair Conright, and five eleven Amari Di Mercado, who was a running back. And yeah,
1: I wish I had that broken out by what Downing versus Duggan did. I, i I agree yeah
0: I, i agree for sure i'm just saying that those are the guys that we saw get reps and catches and you know barber showed last year he can carve through texas i get all that but those 50 50 balls that ellinger throws those are going to be a lot harder for TCU to win on offense than texas right
1: I, uh, like if,
0: if Duncan yes. throws 50, 50 balls, I'm, I'm not real confident. Um,
1: so Look, I, I man, think being I able to get guys, I love Max. Duggan. I those, love are, him. those are 30, 70 balls. Um. Uh, you, they
0: are, they are. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like Ellinger, he will throw them uh, without a doubt. Uh, so I, and I wrote about this in the preview, but I'd say the matchup is going to be more almost not even wide receiver versus defensive back, but offensive coordinator versus defensive coordinator in that if, or offensive scheme versus defensive scheme, and that if TCU can get wide receivers, open in space, which I know every coordinator wants to do, but, but just el- eliminate the need for those, hey, I'm going to throw it up and hope my guy gets it balls. And just even if it's quick hits at the beginning of the game, quick slants, stick routes, stuff like that, and just keep the chains moving and not force Duggan to make those really, really difficult throws, um, that's going to open up stuff later on.
1: Are you, uh, are you I'm implying that, that they, they should choose – are you implying they should choose a strategy as to avoid long third downs, potentially not engaging in activities on first and second down that uh, could limit your efficacy and then put you in a bad position? Interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I'm implying. Yeah. Interesting. But, Interesting. but I, I, know we, I know we could probably say that every week, but I think especially yeah. against a secondary like Texas, with guys like Foster, uh, excuse me, B.J. Foster, Caden Stearns, guys like that, um, uh, yeah. DeMarvian Overshone. If, if, uh, if you're playing the third to, and long,
1: if you're playing the third and long game against Texas, you're already losing. You're losing. The game. Yep.
0: You're exactly right. So just trying to, to to mitigate that, I think is going to be kind of the major scheme matchup to look at going into.
1: The yeah. The, the other thing, do you have thoughts about um, like, I feel like Tay Barber and J.D. Spielman are very potentially frustrating uh, for our defenses because they're so similar. Yes. And you could key in on one and, and kind of overswing and miss the other. And so we saw Tate Barber get interested a a lot or get involved a lot last week. What do you think about kind of the duality of those two and what what they might present to uh, opposing defenses?
0: I think you're exactly right. I think seeing them – and I wrote about this in, I think, preseason, but just getting those two guys on the field at the same time. Be like, dude, you have to cover two super fast dudes. Good luck. Yeah. Super super fast, super shifty, and I'm sure you have a fastest defensive back. Do you have two fastest defensive backs? Because not many teams do. And so I, I think utilizing them, crossing routes, go routes, whatever, you can do a lot with, with two speedy guys that are 5'11". And, uh, yeah, I completely agree. I, I think that's a really, really good scheme. And I sure hope you see it, Parker.
1: I would love to. I'd love to see it. I was encouraged by the first half, maybe second half. You know, you talk yourself into saying they were playing from behind, and so they kind of – I, I like the second half but offense. It, I'm fine to run the area. Right? Yeah. I'm just saying you could, you could do a lot more too. So we'll kind of see how they move around. Um, it, it's worth noting – Texas' linebackers, none of them who have – no Texas linebacker who has at least 10 snaps in pass coverage has a grade above 65. Uh, so, like, Juwan Mitchell, 47.1 cover grade. DeMarvian Overshawn, 64 is the best one. Uh, but then, like, Court Jacquez has been playing some, 55-3. Uh, and then Marcus Tillman Jr. has been, been rotating in, and he's only at 63. So, like, there's some potential exploit uh, – there, there's some potential yeah. to exploit kind of that linebacker, especially if they're focusing on getting the pass rush, which hasn't been amazing with, with Osai. Um, you could see another game from Artavius Len. You can you could see another um, productive I, game. Dude, I there.
0: was just I was just about to say get len matched up in one of those linebackers and, and let him cook. I, I would be 100 yeah. percent fine with that. Listen, if this is the Artavius Len game and TC wins, golly, I'm never gonna stop riding a bit. Dude, um, give me the
1: give me the give me the seam RPO and put whatever running oh. back you guys want in there. That's fine. Come on. Make, make Joseph Asai choose. Yeah, make, make – or sorry, not that he's going to be rushing. Make a linebacker choose. Do you want yep. Artavius Lynn to catch the ball, or do you want to have to tackle a running back? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Parker, let's talk best case, worst case. Um, what is your – let's see. Well, I like to go negative to positive. What is your worst case scenario for this game?
1: Uh, for all the thinking, I've done in the card – Today, I haven't exactly formulated my thoughts on this. You go first on worst case.
0: Okay. The worst case is that it's a blowout. And and normally I wouldn't say that about a TCU game, but I think this is a game that absolutely could be a blowout. Um, Look, Duggan looked good in the second half last week. I don't think Iowa State is a very good football team. And Iowa State was able to carve TCU up on the ground. I know before you say it that those were just individual big plays that busted out and they're not indicative of the total performance of the TCU defense but Texas is a more talented team than Iowa state and they have a bigger potential for big plays. Definitely. And I think, I think TCU is vulnerable because of the defense that it runs to those big plays, both in the passing and run game. We haven't set Beyonce Ingram's name once. And while you may not think uh, he's the most valuable player in the big 12, he certainly is very good at running back. And uh, I think he could have a, a really good game for Texas. Um, and then I think the, the flip side of that is that the TCU offense retains no momentum and has learned no lessons from what they did well in the first game. And the Texas defense collapses the offensive line, makes Duggan run for his life and they just can't get any momentum going. And this thing ends like 40 to seven. Uh, and we're all just kind of hanging our heads at the end.
1: Yeah, that's, that's pretty. Texas has a 16.6 big play rate. So like that's, that's not, that's, that's pretty free. One out of every big eight big plays. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, their, their rushing game hasn't, you know, totally caught up yet to their passing offense, but you know, Roshan Johnson and, and Keonti Ingram, both really, really talented running backs um, who I, I think could, could make a difference given, given opportunity. And if, and if the pass rush is not there. So yeah, I think worst case scenario is Ellinger gets time uh, is able to pick on the secondary. There's some rotation because, you know, like Tomlinson gets beaten on a deep ball. So they bring in Stewart, but Stewart hasn't really played. So he gets beaten on a deep ball and just kind of compounds and gets out of hand. Um, and then you get. This is going to sound so cynical here, but then you know on offense you uh, really try and get your running backs involved, get behind the chains, and you're leaving it up to Max Duggan to um, like to Tay Barber to make an amazing catch, or Max Duggan to make an amazing third and twelve scramble. And sure, it's fun to put those moments of Max Duggan on third and twelve, uh, getting a first down on on Twitter and celebrate him and everything. But like, let's let's use his skills in a different way. Let's design an offense to um, succeed. For him. So yeah, I I think short memory is really smart. I could see this getting in the fifties with Texas and I think TCU loses any kind of game in the fifties with Texas. I think if TCU can't realistically, if TCU can't keep Texas in the thirties, I'm not sure they have a chance at winning. Um, And so, you know, Texas, that's the first three drives. Let's say Texas goes big play touchdowns first three drives. That's this game's, a, game's over. Nightmare scenario. Yeah, that's that's blowout. that's a 2016, that point. 50 point lead, like real, real bad. So, yeah, uh, let's not let's not dwell there, though. My best let's case scenario. My best case scenario is that um, Texas's offense, their offensive numbers are not well opponent adjusted, and they um, TCU shakes up a little bit on defense, is able to have a sufficient pass rush. TCU gets to Rattler or not Rattler, excuse me. Ellinger early and he gets rattled and he gets rattled. That's what I was trying to say. You know, look, look, man, like he, four interceptions last year. I've
0: also, I've also been thinking about Spencer Rattler constantly. So I, I like not even ironically. So I get it.
1: Um, But like, you know, Ellinger threw four interceptions last year. And so, I could see him throwing a pick, like even if it's a tipped, not his fault thing on drive one, just a fluke and being like head case gone, you know, like, you don't wish on him, but saying, I think if you can neutralize Allinger, make them try and beat you through running or through uh, screen passes to the edge, um, and you can kind of prevent that downfield threat. I think on offensive TCU does some of that like jet sweep motion really tries to attack middle of the field with the tight ends and, and really um, gives Quentin Johnston opportunities to get open deep and kind of plays that levels. Because uh, I think it's, TCU this year has personnel that's more suited for levels. That's going to rely on the offensive line a mm-hmm. lot. But if they can do that and be multiple on offense um, and get the ball into the hands of wide receivers more than running backs, uh, I, I think that will – there is a world where TCU wins this game by, by 10 points. I can believe that. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Wow. I'm not saying that's high yeah. probability. But I'm saying there, there's a world where things go right and TCU just looks, looks good enough and is disruptive enough on defense that they win this game by 10 points.
0: Yeah, I, and as far as my best case, I – listen, even best case scenario, I don't think the pass rush is going to, quote, unquote, get there. You know what I mean? I, I think it will be suitable in the best case scenario. But but I do think that, like you said, the secondary can frustrate Ellinger into some mistakes. Um, and that on offense, I, I, I know what you're saying about running, you know, like you said, jet sweep motion, kind of making those levels plays over the middle of the field, all that. I think it's going to take big plays. Now, I think it's going to take Barber getting loose, Fieldman getting loose. TCU's offense isn't built for that. But in a best-case scenario against Texas, I think the Longhorn defense, again, I know what they did against Texas Tech. For some part of me, still thinks that they have a potential to be very good as a unit. So I think TCU needs to capitalize on every big play that they possibly can and not blow any chances of big plays. So no drop balls down the field, no overthrown or underthrown passes, and make every single opportunity count. I think they could squeak by no,
1: um, no special teams, mishaps, damn it.
0: No special teams, mishaps, which Texas, listen, we could go down that road of all the special teams mishaps that happened in the Texas, Texas tech game. I I don't think, I can't remember the last time I've seen a team both recover and not recover an onside kick in a game (laughs) Uh, and Texas tech managed to pull that out and also block a punt and recover it and still lose. Um, Yeah. Okay. Parker, give me your score prediction for this game.
1: I'm going. I I think I'm going close to the model. Um, I want to look at what I wrote in my article to make sure I do this. Yeah. So I think I'm actually. I'm I'm going to pull it a little bit inside that 13 point line. So I think TCU covers. I think they do lose. I'm going 38-33. Um, and a little bit of Texas has some explosive plays. They kind of cool off, and then TCU kicks field goals instead of scores touchdowns. Um, and so I think that's where you get that kind of one score. Uh, again, frustratingly, a little bit too little, too late. But in that like 38-33 kind of range of um, about five points. So TCU covers, it's close. Uh, I'm officially saying 38-33.
0: Okay. Uh, I wrote this in the preview. Uh, Screw it, I'm going for it. Uh, TCU 27, Texas 24. I think this is going to be – last week before the Iowa State game, I think I predicted, like, one of the dumbest, most boring games possible. Uh, I'm going the opposite of that and that I think it's going to be a really weird 27-24 a weird turnovers weird whatever a lot of busted plays and I, I don't know man I, I just really do think that Patterson chaps Herman's ass so much that he can't focus and TCU wins by three
1: there you I go there's, a,
0: there's your dose of optimism
1: I also hope that that's nine field goals to eight field goals. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Dude, it, i'm not ruling it again it's going to be very dumb i can almost guarantee it um parker do you have anything else to add about tc versus texas
1: i don't think i do i'm not sure that gary's gonna like griffin kell kick another field goal the entire season um <laughs> so that's not gonna happen that but that, uh, that was not griffin kell's fault it was not i'm not saying it was i'm just saying <laughs> that was
0: not griffin Kel's fault I right they, they
1: punted from the 33 after that so um yeah yeah no i i it's an interesting matchup. It's a good bellwether. Uh, again, you know, we got excited when Max was going to be healthy, um, and, and it's frustrating to lose that game against Iowa State. You know, first game back against a conference opponent, it's not Kansas. That was a loss for of who they played. And yeah, it's, for sure. It, it, and I'm really trying to talk myself into taking the optimism from it being winnable as opposed to the pessimism from it being close uh, and, and slipping away. But I do think TCU has a statement right here to say, hey, we are not a second-class program. Um, and so I think I think – Avoiding the blowout is key here. I think a win here would be would be monumental. Yeah,
0: for sure, for sure. All right, well, that is our Texas preview podcast. Uh, don't forget, you can get this in your inbox every Thursday morning. Our pregame, our, our game previews. Uh, you can also subscribe to the Purple Theory newsletter, where you will have uh, stuff in your mailbox on what Monday morning, Wednesday morning, Friday morning. We had our midweek preview this week, uh, featuring the one and only Jamie Plunkett. We'll also have our round table on Friday and Sunday night. We'll put out our podcast kind of recapping the game that was Texas and TCU and Monday you'll get our full post game breakdown with Parker's numbers, my, uh, dumb columns about schemes and, and storylines and, and kind of recaps stuff like that Wednesday we will get the actual schemes and storylines and Parker's advanced previews for TCU's next game against Kansas State you can follow us on Twitter I am at Grant McGalliard spelled just like it sounds and Parker is at Stats of War for now uh, go Frogs and I guess uh, Sol Varsity's Horns Off go Frogs